Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Clotho, at Clotho Spindle on Twitter, and I'm joined with Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Oxford Splice on Twitter. And Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. We're going to be discussing Bran's third chapter in A Clash of Kings, and trigger warnings for um, any potential discussions of uh, rape and violence. Bran is riding Dancer through Winterfell's Great Hall. Uh, he's kind of making grand entrance for the Harvest Feast. Uh, they're all decked out. Uh, when he reaches the dais, um, Ocean Hodor help him down into the high seat. And he's kind of like, you know, was feeling, oh, this I feel kind of normal coming in and it feels great. And then that kind of takes him down a little bit because, you know, not everybody's seen these kind of things happen with his assistants. Um, so people kind of stare. Um, he bids everyone welcome in the name of Rob, King of the North. Uh, thanks the gods for his victories and finishes by saying, may there be a hundred more. You know, kind of gets everybody roused and, you know, cheering. And um, there's a lot of noise and laughing and drowns out the music. I think they have like Lord Wyman's musicians. And it's just, you know, this huge, very huge. We get this description of this great variety of food and from George, of course. And, um, Bran becomes so full, he's, like, pretty much just waving dishes away, and, like, they've told him, like, it's common, it's, like, a respectful thing to send food to, like, lords and ladies out of a show of respect. Um, and he starts also said, which I thought was a nice little added notation, that he sent, like, you know, food to Hodor and Old Nan because he loves them, and, you know, I thought that was kind of... But, and also it's funny when he sends beets and turnips to the Walders because he dislikes them. <laughs> Uh, I would rather you not send me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just beats and turnips out of everything that everyone oh, else got. Gosh, it was great. <laughs> uh, so uh, he, he here he kind of thinks because he hadn't wanted them seated at the high table next to Rickon like at all, and he kind of said that indicated they kind of are agreed a little bit with uh, Master Lewin, but he had insisted because he's like, look, you're going to be family once Rob and Arya marry some phrase. And, and when he heard that, Bran comments, Ariel will never marry a fray, basically. And, um, but Lewin insisted they have to sit up there. So they're stuck. Um, most people are eating heartily, but he notes that Lady Hornwood, oh God, she's so sad throughout all this, um, is picking sadly at her food. And um, he's watching the people on the benches below as if, you know, he gives his imagery as if he's sitting in his window, the bedchamber. He feels detached, basically, from everything. And, you know, it's too hot and noisy and everyone's getting drunk. And um, he has this moment where he's this strange, like, kind of calls it a waking dream where he he suddenly feels cool air and, like, he's in the godswood and he hears the rustling of the red leaves and the rich smells and, you know, not in the hall. And, um, and he thinks, my brother will sing to the moon when it rises soon. So I guess that's like a, you know, sort of a hint at a warging kind of thing. And um, Sir Roderick jars him from the dream and tells him, you know, you'll make a fine lord one day. You, you, again, he's doing really well with all this stuff, new to it. Um, but and he thinks, but he does not say, I want to be a knight. Um, he starts to remember the last time that, you know, he was there with his family. And it's so, so sad. Like, he thinks about how they're all gone. He, like, everybody, he's imagining everybody there and, like, Benjamin and everybody. And um, 
and also the friends, you know, he doesn't, he's like the people that would sit in the lower benches and the ones that are gone. And he looks up and down wondering, you know, who's going to be missing the next year and the year after and after. And, you know, he thinks, you know, he feels like he could cry, but he's the Stark in Winterfell and he can't. Uh, yeah, that's, it's just the whole thing, I guess, feels like it's, you know, it's sort of indicating he's so, he's not one of them. Like he can't do the things everybody else can do. He's feeling just, he feels so detached. It just, you know, it's yeah, burden for him to have to watch all this and like just kind of act happy and so young. <laughs> well, he's out of place. I mean, he's out of place. He shouldn't be doing that because he's too young. Yeah. He's out of place because he is, or he feels out of place, I should say, because yeah. he feel he's disabled and everyone else isn't. Yeah. And I mean, this whole situation is just so nightmarish. Um, I mean, they have all this food and everything, but it's just such a mess. And he's been, due to our, our favorite character here, um, I mean, he, is, he can't be what he wants to be. So it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Well, even like that moment at the beginning of the chapter where he rides in on Dancer, he's feeling great. And, and then immediately once he has to have Hodor and Osha take him off, it's like the chapter just, oh, this sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that with Bran, um, even when he has the moments of feeling great, something brings him back to reality um, every time. Yeah, and it's it's not like, you know, he can, he can't just, he's such a, you know, everybody's staring. He's the main person that people are looking towards, so it's not like he can even, you know, he's just got to deal with it. And has to sit there yeah. for quite a bit of time, like he can't. Because he is the Stark, the Lord in Winterfell at the moment. He he can't go anywhere else. Like, he has to be there. And that just sounds miserable. <laughs> it's just most, you know, it's just, I guess it's still at a point where people could still remotely, you know, before ugh, things are bad. But, like, some people, you know, are at the point where they can't really enjoy it. But some people are just going to, you know, okay, well, this isn't last hurrah or before, you know, we have to do this and X, Y, Z. But they're just, uh, just trying to forget the world. I wonder, because he goes into a wolf daydream, I guess, like he wargs at some point when he's sitting there, and I don't think he realized that he still didn't realize what's happening. Like, if he knew what he was capable of, if he could escape these moments where he just doesn't feel like having to be here, do this, whatever, and he could just go into summer and go do whatever, um, if he had control of it, that would be would make his chapters much more interesting yeah if he could like because it's interesting every time he goes away and something happens mm-hmm. when he's swarging if he could be like partially aware enough so if someone you know were tap him on the shoulder he could yeah that would be kind of cool for him <laughs> yeah um we do have a question for this first part here uh, um buck o'hare on discord ask which course would you have like brand to send to you <laughs> um <laughs> oh Probably dessert for me. <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever he sent, um, Nan, uh, old Nan and uh, yeah. Hodor. <laughs> he probably picked the nicest stuff for that, yeah. Oh. I mean, a lot of the food sound, I mean, every time George talks about food, it's, and even the stuff like that he is supposed to be not particularly appetizing. I mean, I love butter turnips. I'd eat those. Hmm. I mean, I'd probably be into that salmon that Lady Hornwood gets sent. And the goose and berries, he said someone sounded really good. 
Yeah, if it wasn't for the... One of the pies sounded fl- flaky and good, but I don't think it had anything good in it. It was the lamprey? I don't know. <laughs> like, I like those little pot pie things, but I don't know about if it had lamprey in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot to choose from. <laughs> it's a long menu. And that was a long... It was like, what? Like, I don't know. It was on my phone, too, so it took up, like, multiple pages because the screen was small, but... Um... Okay, suddenly the great doors open, and a gust of cold air makes the torches glow brighter. And I've got this momentous feel to it, and Alebelly, I think was his name, announces the Lady Mira of House Reed with her brother Jojen of Greywater Watch um, have arrived, and everyone looks up at the newcomers. Uh, Little Walder mutters, frog eaters, to Big Walder beside him. And Sir Roderick climbs to his feet and welcomes them. Master Lewin uh, responds to Bran, you, you know, you must greet these ones warmly. Helen Reed was a great friend to your father. Um, as they walk to the, uh, the length of the hall, Bran notices their clothing and, you know, the details. This kind of sounds interesting, um, you know, and that the girl's wearing um, the weapons and her, you know, her younger brother didn't have any. Um, and then they're both slight of build and slender, and he's, you know, thinking they're scarcely taller than him. Um, they kneel down before the dais, and uh, I'll read this little part, what they say. Uh, my lords of Stark, the girl said, the years have passed, and their hundreds and their thousands, since my folk first swore their fealty to the king in the north. My lord father has sent us here to say the words again for all our people. She is looking at me, Bran realized. He had to make some answer. My brother Rob is fighting in the south, he said. But you can say your words to me if you like. To Winterfell we pledged the faith of Greywater, they said together. Heart and Hearth and heart and harvest we yield up to you, my lord. Our swords and spears and arrows are yours to command. Grant mercy to our weak, help to our helpless, and justice to all we shall never fail you. I swear it by earth and water, said the boy in green. I swear it by bronze and iron, said his sister. Uh, we swear it by ice and fire, they finished together. Um, Bran's not sure how to respond, you know, if he's he's sort of momentous, like, speech there, and he's like, well, you know, may your winters be short and your summers be bountiful. Um, He's kind to them, nice, and they present their gifts. Um, They give him fish and frogs and fowl, and Bran thanks them. Um, He's really interested in them. He said he wants to get, you know, he definitely wants to get to know them more, but um, Jojen asks where the direwolves are. And Rickon responds in the godswood because Shaggy was bad. And Mira tells them that Jojen would like to see the direwolves. And little Walders, like, oh, they'll bite you, you know, warning they'll bite. But um, Bran insists they won't bite if Bran is there. And Summer will keep Shaggy Dog away. will keep him, you know, in check. Uh, so he doesn't have to worry. Um, and, you know, he's thinking if it wasn't so loud, you know, again, that he would have liked to talk to them more. Um, the girl, they mentioned that the um, Mira catches him staring at her. And, he, you know, she smiles and he blushes and looks away. So there's like this little moment there. <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I wish we got a little bit more. I guess they're, you know, they're saving it for the others, but I wish we got a little more interaction between them. Oh. I think they're, I remember, I mean, I'm reading that chapter like you on my device and there's all that food and all these Lords and you know, it's it's kind of a slog, and then they show up, and it sort of uh, definitely, like, piques your interest. Because, first of all, they're children. It's not like they're another set of, you know, um, lords worrying about who's doing what to whom. I mean, so right there, I think they're interesting. 
And I also think the whole bit, like that they really want to see those dire wolves right away is kind of cool. Yeah. And also presage is that they are different. They are not like the regular, the rest of the supplicants at that feast. Yeah. And Bran becomes interested in them, as he says, like he wants to talk more. And so, of course, us as the reader, we're going to be more interested um, in whatever it is they have going on. Um, I, I love when they show up. It's it's great. And it gives a lot to Bran's chapters uh, going forward, having those two with them. Yeah, it's like the torch is glowing. It's like a little bright spot in there. <laughs> uh, much later, after all the sweets have been served and the tables are moved for dancing, the music grows louder and the, grass, the guests grow. As that gets louder, the, grass, the guests get wilder. Uh, and Bran watched like long enough to be polite, basically. And then he summons Hodor to take him to any stay. It sounds like it's been a while already. Um, he summons Hodor to take him to his bedchamber. Um you know, he's thinking to himself, the dancing makes him sad, you know, because he had another thing that he's kind of been rubbed in his face that he can't do with the revelers. And um, once in bed, he begins to think of something his father had told him. You know, we get this kind of little moment here where he's, where he'd asked um, Ned about the Kingsguard, you know, or, you know, are they the greatest and how, you know, how are they? And he's like, well, they were once the finest, but no longer. And his father you know, mentioned that the finest of them all had been, in Ned's opinion, Sir Arthur Dane. And they called him the Sword of the Morning with a blade called Dawn, said to have been forged with the heart of a fallen star. Um, that was very, this very romantic type view of, you know, knighthood. Um, and he's, you know, going to sleep, like, thinking, you know, to me, it sort of gives the impression, okay, I'd, I'd love to dream about this stuff. You know, he has his thoughts in his head. and But when the dreams come, uh, he's in the godswood again. And kind of like a continuation of his the waking dream, how he's asleep. He's prowling beneath the trees and his brother close behind him. The sounds of the humans um, had made him restless. And he wanted to run and he wanted to hunt. And they heard a noise and raced through the underbrush to meet the, the as they feel like these intruders. But then they see it's a female and a young male who don't fear them. And um, they, they sort of mention that part of him as he's, you know, the war, part of him whispers the name Mira and and when she began to speak and he feels that that's her name and Jojen says the black one is full of fear and rage and the gray was stronger than he knows um she warns him to go carefully um to, but he responds that the wolves won't hurt him and the male reaches out to touch his muzzle and this is sort of brand feeling when he feels Jojen's fingers on his face his wolf face um the wood dissolves and the ground turns to smoke beneath his feet and then he's spinning and falling. Uh, that's where it ends. But it's the kind of, you know, I guess that's a little interesting moment with them. Like, they did, they went and found the wolves. <laughs> so, you know, this is Summer and uh, Shaggy Dog. Yeah. Love that last little bit. Yeah. The stuff with the wolves is so cool. Yes. Yeah. And I think his insights are particularly, I mean, I mean, he's still, he's written to a grown up for his actual character age, but it's, his insights are always fascinating to me as well. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that through the wolves eyes, he can also get a feel for them. Cause you know, you get the, you know, this kind of idea that like you can, if, you know, if your dog doesn't like somebody or if your pet doesn't like somebody, then there's kind of sketchy kind of feel and like, you know, you would think, okay, here's a way of him 
even unintentionally checking them out. Oh, probably built a little bit more of a bond easier because he's got seems to get like you know a seal of approval from at least you know the wolves. <laughs> Okay, we have a couple of couple more questions. Um, so, first one, <clears throat> um, Buckle here on Discord asks, "What does why does Ned think highly of the King's Guard who let Ares act?" And to go along with that, um, Cardinal Girl seventy five on Discord um, says, "We learned that Ned, like Jamie, greatly admired Sir Arthur Dane." Why would Ned still have admired Arthur, who not only likely aided and abetted in his sister's abduction, but nearly, uh, but then nearly killed Ned to help him to keep him away from Liana, who Arthur had to know was dying? And how much do you think it would have rankled Ned to uh, know he had something in common with Jamie? Yeah, I. Go ahead. No, I was just kind of all I could think of is that he kind of just anybody who's like this ideal of like, oh, honor this and that, he would justify in his head that that makes up for everything else. I don't. Mm. I mean, that's a man of principle. And and I will say, I mean, I get that. Like sometimes, you know, even though it's. In, it, it seems like impossible that you would, you know, but I mean, people who stand up for principle in real life are rare. And and I guess that's admirable. It's just, it's really hard to take when you consider the situation. Yeah. yeah because even the, the Kingsguard he's speaking of, would arguably some of the worst um, with everything. They just, they just allowed Aries to mm. do. Um, yeah. Cause I often think about uh, Jamie's or we're supposed, we're supposed to, pre- supposed to protect her. And is it Barristan? Yeah, but not from him or whatever, however that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ned, as you, as you said, Kama is a man of principle and it, he really holds on to that and holds him very high regard. Yeah, I don't know. I, and I mean, I guess. Arthur Dane is supposed to be like a hell of a fighter too. I mean, there's probably that woven into it. Like, cause Jamie admires him as well. And it's not just, I mean, I don't think Jamie would be the principal thing is really what's appealing to Jamie at 16. So maybe that's well, you know, woven into it. I mean, and Ned is not at the time, all this is happening. Ned is like a, a, He's not much more than a teenager himself, right? I mean, he's not like a 30-year-old man. It's He's 16, 18 years old, something like that. So maybe some of that could have been like idolization, you know. like Yeah, and when he tells Bran, like he never really let go. Yeah, nostalgia, mm-hmm. whenever he tells Bran about it. Like he is thinking of them as he thought of them yeah. back then. And, and I mean, think back to our own adolescences. I mean, you, you're not exactly the most... I mean, I can't speak for you guys, but I was not the most clear thinking um, person at like, say, 16, you know, so I I could see stuff getting mixed up and muddled. And then, yeah, the rosy glow of nostalgia and and maybe it, you know, he, he tries not to think of some of this stuff because it hurts too much. So you start doing that sort of disassociation 
And, you know, of course, Bran isn't going to know what's going on with Lyanna. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. Not all that yeah. Is um, there any more mail or? Oh, well, yes, one more. Um, but all this talk of Arthur Dane is reminding me um, that they gave him two swords on the show instead of just Dawn for some reason. Oh, what did they give? I forgot about that. <laughs> didn't they like? Didn't they give that guy two swords? Like they made it a whole oh. thing that that guy. It was so weird. Um, that the guy who was supposed to be Arthur Dane, like at the Tower of Joy, I think he had two swords. Yeah, he might have. Oh, I'm curious. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we do have one more. Um, one more from the Discord. So fun, uh, Cardinal Girl seventy five. Fun little what if. Bran remembers the feast for King Robert in the Game of Thrones and thinks about how Marcella looked at Rob with adoring eyes. What if Robert had suggested that Rob marry Marcella instead of Sansa marrying Joffrey? Do you think that was ever a possibility? At least it was better than Jamie's idea for her, which was marrying her off to Joffrey. What do you think Cersei's reaction would have been? Oh, yeah, that was a little cute. I thought that was, I remember thinking that was a cute moment, just like the Mira and Bran moment. But, yeah, he remembered that. Hmm. I mean, I think it makes a much better sense. I mean. Much more sense, yes. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think it would work, although Marcella's a little girl. She's younger than Sansa, so that's like the kind of thing where yeah. they'd be waiting a while. or Have to wait, yeah. She would have been... I mean, I've read fan fiction where she's sent to Winterfell, like to be fostered, but I can't see Cersei going for that. Um, but I mean, she sent to Tristane and Dorne in the books, so maybe that would have been a thing. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, it doesn't sound. Like I didn't remember how. Hmm. Oh, sorry, I was. Saying, I didn't remember how young she was. She was. She's seven in oh, the books, like in the Game of Thrones. Really yeah, really young. Oh my god. Yeah. And oh, Robin. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought ten or eleven. If, I think she's oh, like wow. I think she's eight like because they're all aged up on the show so I do think she's like yeah. ten or something like but she's seven in the books oh, they have to wait a while. so that and would I mean, be waiting mm-hmm. quite the a eight while. year difference once you get over like is once the younger yeah. person is is let's say twenty two that's yeah. not so bad yeah um but that's a that's a while to wait um but I mean I think it would have slowed a few things down maybe. I mean, the whole pro- a lot of the problem is that Sansa goes to King's Landing with all those people. I mean, if yeah. she's not there, if if Marcella is in Winterfell, yeah, Cersei can't make some risky moves. Yeah. But they were planning. I mean, that was part of the. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they wanted to send Cat and Ned wanted to send their daughters to King's Landing to get them sort of like the courtly kind of attention and life and. But, like, I guess if that hadn't happened, I think it would have, like, slowed the proverbial train down. And Marcella is not psychotic. Yeah. So that also is a big help in any marriage. Um, But I don't see, I don't know, I think Cersei would have fought that, like, crazy. Yeah, it would have worked if not for Cersei. Like, I don't think she would have given it a chance to even let it. I, I, I can't see it. Yeah. Robert would have had that Particularly hunting accident right away. Particularly if she has right to in Winterfell. Yeah. But that well, I mean, <laughs> she, can, she can't stop um, Tyrion from sending Marcella to Dorne, but she's sort of stymied at that point. I yeah, think... she, she doesn't really have much 
any kind of power or anything at that point. And I think I think her father thought that was a good idea. I mean, so like there'd be enough against her, whereas this I can see Robert Robert might not even make it back to King's Landing. Martin, you know, Robert has an accident on the road. Um because I can't see her settling for that. Makes great fanfic though. Yeah. Personality wise, it seemed like they'd be an okay, you know, a little bit that we know both of them. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I mean, like, let's say, let's say it happens, they get betrothed. Let's say even that she's in Winterfell and still stuff starts going down, like going wrong. And the War of the King, Five Kings happens. I mean, she's a little kid. I mean, the same problem that ends up happening with Rosalind could happen again. I mean, he could, he can't. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if she's, let's say, you know, 14 or 15 years old and she's kind of a real possibility but right now he's a 15 year old guy you know and she's a little she's a child she, she's seven so nothing yeah yes there's Cer- no Cersei'd have no problem yeah doing what she needed to do yeah so i i can't see i can see him messing stuff up as well so yeah doomed <laughs> either way <laughs> Uh, is there any more mail? Was that it? Oh, that is all the mail. Okay. Um, I was trying to think. Any less comments about? I, I just think it's kind of cool that we got. You know, they got a kind of cool introduction to Mira and Jojen. No. Nice opening into what's to come. So uh, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com on Tumblr at close the door and come here at tumblr.com. Submit questions to the chapter threads on the Jamie and Brand subreddit. Follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like review and subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Google play stitcher or wherever you listen. And please support us on Patreon at close the door. Um, closing the door. Get out.